My name is Khalid, and the rest of the program is dedicated to part three of our tribute to Lee Scratch Perry, who passed away at the end of August this last year. In our first two uh, segments, we looked at, well, an overview of his career, interview with Moss Mann, and uh, in part two, two weeks ago, we were really looking at his early career, especially his collaborations, recordings with Duke Reed, and uh, moving on to Cox and Dodd, listen to his recordings in the mid-60s. I wanted to look at the beginning of his production career as he moves away from Cox and Dodd, uh, working as an engineer, producer, composer, working with Jackie Mito, and some of the producers in the period 1966 to the establishment of the Upsetter label, label in 1968-69. I wanted to uh, start, though, with a song that comes from a later period in uh, the Black Ark destiny of the upsetter Lee Scratch Perry. I wanted to, uh, I woke up with this song in my head the other day. I had been watching the upsetter, the life and music of Lee Scratch Perry, a fun documentary on his career and his life. And this next song actually is featured in the documentary. It's recording inside the studio and alongside Lee Scratch Perry. Wonderful collaboration and harmonies. This is the Upsetter Review featuring Junior Marvin, the Congos, and the Heptones with Play On Mr. Music. This is a, a rawer alternate take where you really feel and hear the grittiness of Lee Scratch Perry as he works in the production studio. Let's go. One, two, one, two, three, four.
Gay Lads with Run, Rudy, Run, about 1965, one of many songs that uh, ran with the theme of the Rude Boys, whose violence had uh, overtaken Jamaica in the mid-60s, Lee King Perry and the Gay Lads. On Funky Revolutions, this is part three of our tribute to Lee Scratch Perry, looking in this section at his production work early on, moving from Cox and Dodd, leaving him in 1966, and collaborating with a number of producers, engineering sessions for Carl J.J. Johnson, Prince Buster, Clancy Eccles and George Benson, Garnet Hargreaves of WRIL Records, and then moving on to Joe Gibbs before hooking up with two of uh, other engineers with whom he'd worked at WIRL, Linford Andy Cap Anderson and Barry Lambert to establish Upsetter Rep Productions before moving out on his own on the Upsetter label that would define his sound in the 1970s. Uh, 
On Funky Revolutions, today we uh, examine that period, 1965 to 1969-1970, as Perry's independent production work begins to take on uh, a clearer character and sets the pace for the development of the black arc sound in the mid-1970s. We started the set with, and this part of our series, with the Upsetter Review play on Mr. Music from that golden period in the mid-1970s. As I said earlier, taken from Lee Scratch Perry, the upsetter, the life and music of Lee Scratch Perry. Really a wonderful documentary, and uh, that song is featured in it. Uh, It's easily found on the internet, worth checking out. After that, Jackie Me Too, El Bang Bang, one of the riding rhythms. Jackie Mito was uh, one of the important figures with whom Lee Scratch Perry would collaborate and arrange music with while he was with Cox and Dodd from about 1962 to 1966. He would also uh, play with him and the Scatolites, playing percussion on a number of sessions, both live and in studio, at Studio One. I want to look at some of the music couple of tail end songs that he did, Lee Scratch, that is, while he was with Coxon Dodd. In part two, I played a number of songs, including a couple that were typical of the kind of slack music Lee Perry was known for in the mid-60s. I want to look at some of uh, his collaborations as he's about to leave Coxon Dodd and move on with these other producers before he really uh, sets up the Upsetter label. Several of his songs were kind of also attacks on competing sound systems, that of of Prince Buster, for example. One of the uh, artists with whom he would collaborate a number of times writing songs was one of Jamaica's first child prodigies who at 13 joined the Coxon stable. He would collaborate with Perry on a number of songs, including this one. I'm talking about Delroy Wilson, who would be with Studio One right up until about 1970. This is one of the three songs that he remembers collaborating with Leave Scratch Perry on writing. This is... Split the Sky on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. Where you used to 
Mothership Connection, Funky Revolutions. A second Delroy Wilson co-authored track with Lee Scratch Perry, Joe Ligs. A song that Perry described as uh, about being about people who just want to take and don't want to give. This version though from 1978 remixed through King's Tubby and in fact Prince Jammy, Delroy Wilson. Three tracks that he wrote during his tenure with Cox and Dodd in collaboration with Perry. Another battle track, as it were, which was a direct reply to Prince Buster's bad-minded people attacking the Cox and team and label. It was a response as if Buster was trying to steal Coxon's glory or leagues. On CKUT 90.3 FM, we continue in our second hour with Part 3, Lee Scratch Perry, The Early Production Years. I kind of uh, played what I wanted from the Cox and Dodd uh, catalog and some of the songs that uh, featured the early releases of Lee Perry as he developed his skills in the Cox and Dodd Studio One camp, beginning to engineer tracks. And it's actually kind of hard to go back in the catalog and see which of the tracks were engineered by Lee Perry, among other engineers. But uh, he recorded about 40 songs for Cox and Dodd before breaking up in 1966, not liking the pay and, uh, well, not getting the glory I think he uh, felt that he deserved. As I said earlier in the program, he would move on to work with a number of other uh, up-and-coming producers uh, for brief periods. And uh, it's kind of in this period that I want to look before we get to the Upsetter label. As he's working with people like Johnson, Prince Buster, even though he'd been doing a diss track against him, Clancy Eccles, and then Joe Gibbs before collaborating to set up Upsetter Productions and then the Upsetter label. 1966 was an important year, not just for Lee Perry, as he begins uh, to move away from Cox and Dodd and working with all these other producers, but it's also a moment where Jamaican popular music, as the author David Katz points out in People Funny Boy, the autobiography on Lee Scratch Perry, points out is that popular music is moving from the frantic space of the ska area giving way to a slower, more spacious rock steady. He writes, The big band jazz that Ska was based on gave way to smaller studio-based ensembles. Rock steady was thus marked by an increased emphasis on guitar and keyboards, while horn sections were diminished or dismissed, allowing for a less cluttered sound that mirrored aspects of American soul music, especially through an emphasis 
on vocal harmony. One of the first tracks that uh, Lee Perry would record after moving away from Cox and Dodd was with Carl Johnson, a.k.a. Sir J.J., another producer in Kingston. The first track he would record was Give Me Justice, which was, again, a plea and a denunciation of his experience at Studio One with Cox and Dodd. The uh, tracks that uh, I want to look at now is he moves over to Clancy Eccles, among others, where he's going to continue doing engineering production work. But it's on that label that he will also uh, begin to release 
and continue to release music. So almost with all of the producers, uh, record label owners that he worked with in this period, 66 to 68, he would also release tracks featuring himself. This is Lee Perry on uh, Clancy Eccles' label, Hey Mama. When I shake the earthquake because I must overtake...
weren't meant for me another of the lee perry tracks recorded and uh engineer produced uh by clancy Eccles in his tenure there about the second producer he would collaborate with uh third uh, after moving away from cox and dodd and uh, it's at this point that he has a, 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 a period, a very important period, working with Joe Gibbs, who's set up his own label. He's a little bit inexperienced and recognizes in Lee Perry uh, really fine production skills. And Lee Perry will do most of his engineering work, production work, in the first six, seven months of 1960, late 66, 67. And it gives us some of this uh, music we're about to hear as Joe Gibbs begins to uh, set up Amalgamated Records, his label. Before we get to that, though, it's at this point that uh, he will produce a track for Lee Scratch Perry, which we've heard before, and gives him the name The Upsetter. And uh, being upset was a common theme for uh, Lee Perry uh, in terms of some of his collaborators, former collaborators. But it, as we described, as he described in, in part one of our series, it was a double-edged sword. It was about rebellion as much as being an upsetting factor in the music industry. So remember, this is I Am the Upsetter. And then we get to some of the tracks that he helped produce for Joe Gibbs, including some of the early tracks that really mark this transition phase at this point from, you know, we've gone from ska through to rock steady to rockers and now into reggae music as we're entering 68 69 and some of these early tracks we'll hear with joe gibbs are included among some of the first real kind of more upbeat tracks from rock steady that getting us into reggae music on ckut 90.3 fm in montreal about the fundamental character I Am the Upsetter produced by Joe Gibbs and it's at this point that uh, as he's leaving Joe Gibbs he's done the kind of work that is helping define this transition we have a few tracks from the Amalgamated label when he was engineering there Errol Dunkley is considered one of those songs that's really kind of representative of this transition You Gonna Need Me 
followed by Roy Shirley, The World Needs Love.
You're looking for honey? Baby, don't be funny. Get up and fight for your musical right. Share my door 
On Funky Revolutions, we had four tracks from the period that Lee Scratch Perry was producing engineering sessions, Many, most of them at the beginning for Amalgamated Records, Joe Gibbs uh, Productions in 1967-68. At the end there, the last track, The Dynamics with My Friends, and before that, Lynn Tate and the Jets, D's Special. As we're entering past Joe Gibbs, he hooks up, Lee Scratch Perry that is, hooks up with two other engineers he'd worked with while he was at the West Indian record label, uh, one of the important studios where many of the different producers would uh, intermingle and, uh, and record. And he would hook up with Linford, Andy Cap Anderson, and Barry Lambert to establish Upsetter Productions. And then a little while later would move on and set up the Upsetter Productions. Um, from the Upsetter Productions, he would go to the Upsetter label and his own. And this is really the definitive period for about 10 years before he auto-destructs in 1979. I want to hear some of this music. He had a continue to release his own music, uh, instrumental music with the Upsetters as well as producing hundreds, if not thousands, over the next 10 years of musicians, some who would stay for long periods. But as much of what was happening in Jamaica, musicians and groups would uh, rotate and produce, collaborate, release singles, 45s, with a number of producers. On CKUT 90.3, we'll hear now uh, the song that really kind of... uh, Established and is considered also one of these transitory songs into the reggae uh, upbeat vibes. Really gives you a sense of where Lee Scratch Perry is at as he strikes out on his own. And this is a diss now track that uh, aims itself at Joe Gibbs. This is Lee Perry and the Upsetters with People Funny Boy. I used to help you out 
The Upsetters with Return of Django. Before that, Lee Perry and People Funny Boy. These tracks embrace the real transitory period and the founding of the Upsetter label and sound. The transition from rock steady to reggae music and the establishment of Lee Perry as an important producer in Jamaica and internationally. Return of Django was Trojan Records, based in London, England's most successful track in its 10 years of releasing music. It would reach number five on the UK charts, staying on the charts for 15 weeks. Before that, People Funny Boy sold 60,000 copies in Jamaica and gave Lee Perry financial independence he hadn't had before. I want to look at this period 68-69, the music, the, the shifting sound, uh, as Lee Perry begins to continue to explore his own vocal and musical stylings, as well as producing so many different independent artists, 
sometimes working once or twice with them and some establishing long collaborations that would last into the next decade. The upsetters at this period were uh, also a, a transitory phase. At the beginning, Perry usually enlisted uh, the Gladys All-Stars. They were a session group led by Gladstone Anderson. Uh, they had on bass Clifton Jackie Jackson, on guitar Linford Hugh Brown, Winston Brubeck right on organ, and Tin Legs Lloyd Adams on drums. However, in 69, at the end of this period we're looking at, uh, he would be working with the Hippie Boys, which uh, were Glenn Adams on keyboard, guitarist Alva Lewis and Ranford Randney Bop Williams, as well as on drums and bass, one of the essential cores that would become the Whalers, Carlton and Aston Family Barrett. One of the reasons he did this switch was, well, the flexibility in the music, but uh, in uh, early 69, Lee Perry went on tour because of the success of uh, his records. And then with this uh, last track that we heard, Return of Django, the Gladdy Boys were unavailable, uh, Gladdy's All-Stars. And so he uh, really shifted to working with the hippie boys as the upsetters. And they would continue on until about 1971 when another phase of the upsetters would be developed when the Barrett brothers would join and leave to go follow the Whalers. We now get into this 1968-69 period and the evolving sound of the upsetter label and Perry's work. This is Sir Comic, Django Shoots First.
Perry with Soul Fire from this crucial period in the development of the sound. Before that, Sir Comic with Django Shoots First. In the late 60s, Perry recorded with a number of vocal groups, including the Ethiopians. The first vocal group, though, he would work with was the Mellotones. They had worked with Perry while he was engineering for Joe Gibbs. And when he set up Upsetter Label, they would have a number of songs with him, such as None Such Busted Me Bet, What a Botheration, which Willie Perry would rework a number of times. The last couple of tracks that uh, they would release in 69 were and 68 were uh, retakes on that. Uncle Desmond, I'm Not a Winehead. Its rhythms would be used a number of times as upsetter instrumentals. This is Uncle Desmond on CKUT 90.3 FM, Funky Revolutions.
the end of the set here on funky revolutions the inspirations love 
O Love. They would be the second group, vocal group, that Lee Perry would begin working with. But right in the middle, some of the crucial music he began making in 69 with the Ethiopians. And we heard the track, Not Me. As I said, he worked with so many different artists over the years. And we'll continue exploring this period and those collaborations with various singers as we transition into the period to 1970-71 on part four next week on Funky Revolutions. I was Khalid, and it was a pleasure to be with you again this week. One of the differences that Perry had, one of the reasons he left Cox and Dodd, was Dodd's and the old school producers' refusals to embrace or even allow the recording of Rastafarian content in the music, even before reggae emerged in the late 60s. It's one of the reasons that Duke Reed's label and Treasure Island collapsed in the early 70s. We're going to end the program in our tribute to Lee Perry with one of uh, these tracks in the early catalog that really exemplifies the emerging content, not just some of the rhythmic elements that was introduced into the music, even in ska, like buru drumming. This is Uroy's first track, introduced to Perry by Peter Tosh. It features Count Ozzy with his percussions. Reminding you, as usual, free your mind, and our collective ass will follow. This is Rightful Ruler. So high and so mighty.